Shining the spotlight on the future of hockey, the World Juniors. Joshua Wall walks in, got the Major Junior. This is Logan Stankoven. I play for the Camels Blazers. Hey, it's Matt Potter from the Guelph Storm. This is Axler LaRue from the Halifax Moosehead. Nathai Gauthier. I play for the Quebec Ramparts. Hey, guys. This is Ty Nelson from the North Day Battalion, and this is the Pipeline Show. NCAA. This is Ryan McAllister for the Western Michigan Broncos. This is Wyatt Kaiser from Minnesota Duluth. This is Brock Faber from the University of Minnesota. The NHL Draft. This is Adam Fantilli of the University of Michigan. This is Ryan Leonard. I play for Team USA. I'm Nate Danielson of the Brandon Lee Kings. My name is Adam Guyam. I'm playing for Chippewa Field. Hi, I'm Grayson Sochin. I'm with the Seattle Thunderbirds. Hey, this is Jacob Fowler, goaltender for the Youngstown Phantoms. I'm Connor Bedard for the Regina Pats, and this is the Pipeline Show. And more. Brandon! This is the Pipeline Show. Welcome to the Pipeline Show. My name is Gee Flaming, and I have to be honest, it feels like it's been a long time since uh, we've had the opportunity to uh, chat. The last few weeks for me have been uh, very hectic, very chaotic, but it is great to be back. Things have settled down, and I'm ready to get back into the swing of things. Playing catch-up, as uh, for the last two or three weeks, I've really kind of been disconnected and haven't been uh, on top of a lot of things that have been going on. So some of the guests you're going to hear from today really bringing me up to speed. But it is great to be back and have the Pipeline Show back with another new episode. Couldn't do it without our title sponsor. That is Wilhock Beef Jerky. Absolutely the best beef jerky known to mankind. It is Alberta's best. You can't win friends with salad. Three Edmonton and area locations, Leduc and Spruce Grove and in West Edmonton Mall. But you can get it anywhere in Western Canada simply by going to their website. That is WilhockBeefJerky.com. W-I-L-H-A-U-K, beefjerky.com. Any order, any size, anywhere in Western Canada, they will ship it to you. Don't take my word for it. Give them a try yourself. Your taste buds will thank you for it and let them know the Pipeline Show sent you. As I mentioned, catching up on the, over the last two or three weeks, so lots to get to in this opening segment. Let's get right to it. The CHL's top 10 rankings for this week A lot of change since uh, the last time I was behind the microphone. Back then, it was Halifax who was number one. They're all the way down to number seven right now. At the number one spot, Bay Camo out of the uh, Quebec Major Junior Hockey League, followed by the Prince George Cougars, the Kitchener Rangers, the Saginaw Spirit, and there's a team that is on the rise. They were not even in the top ten the last uh, episode that I put together back in mid-November. Now they are ranked number four in the country. The Sioux Greyhounds are five. That means you've got three teams just from the OHL in the top five. And that's something we haven't said up until this point in the season. The Saskatoon Blades are in number six spot. Then you've got Halifax. The Wenatchee Wild, who are on fire, they have the number eight position locked down. The Moncton Wildcats are ninth. And the Ruin Noranda Huskies are the number 10 team in the CHL's top 10. Now, the big news over the last uh, 10 days or so has been the announced roster, the camp rosters at least, for the United States, for Hockey Canada, uh, for uh, Sweden is out, uh, Slovakia I've seen, I think I've seen Germany's roster as well, all ahead of the U20 World Junior Championship. Uh, One of my guests today is going to go through that a lot, so we're going to leave that uh, right now because there's so much else that I need to talk about here in the opening segment. So uh, we won't ignore the World Juniors. 
That'll be coming up in our second guest segment today. The World Junior A Challenge gets going next week out in Nova Scotia. I may have a guest lined up who will be there on hand next week. Haven't yet confirmed that, uh, but we won't be ignoring that tournament either as long as I can find somebody who is there uh, to uh, talk about it. Let's go to the standings in the CHL. And in the queue, as you would expect, since they're the number one team in the entire Canadian Hockey League, it would be the Bay Como Dracar leading the queue, and not by just a little bit. They're riding a nine-game winning streak, 52 points. The next closest team is Halifax with 43, so pretty good cushion there now for the Dracar at the top of the queue standings. Leading the league in scoring is Justin Gill from the Dracar. He has 44 points. Jordan Dume, though, from Halifax has 43. He's going to miss some time because he's going to the World Junior. I'm sure he's making that team this year. Alexandre Blaise from the Ramuski Oceanic has 42 points. Israel Mianskum with Sherbrooke has 41. And Marcus Vitacek of the Halifax Mooseheads has 40 points. William Rousseau, who plays for the Roy Noranda Huskies, is the top goaltender right now in the queue, going by goals against average. Mathis Rousseau also has a 2.07 goals against average. The first place for Roy Noranda, the second place for Halifax. They're almost exactly the same when it comes to save percentage as well. And it is Mathis Rousseau from Halifax who is invited to Canada's World Junior Camp as a 19-year-old. Let's move on to the Ontario Hockey League. I saw the new jerseys that the Owen Sound Attack are going to wear in the second half of the season, honoring the 1924 Memorial Cup champion Owen Sound Grays. Nice-looking jersey. I hope they don't wear them against Ottawa, though, because they both both teams would then be wearing very similar uh, jerseys unless one of them decides to go with something different, which I hope would be the case. Maybe they don't play in the second half. They're in opposite conferences. I don't. I haven't looked at the schedule. Uh, but nice jerseys. Man, what a history. That's 100 years. Incredible. In the standings in the Ontario Hockey League, uh, it is fitting. The Kitchener Rangers now with the best record, a 741 winning percentage. And that's why they are the uh, highest-ranked team in the CHL's top 10 uh, from the OHL. Saginaw making a charge. They've won two in a row, but they're 9-1 in their last 10 games. Still trailing the Sioux Greyhounds in the standings by five points, but they have three games in hand. So the potential is there definitely to make some ground just by winning those extra games that they still have on their schedule. Top scorers in the OHL. Still the top three guys all coming from the Kitchener Rangers. Carson Rakoff. Has 51 points. He's followed by uh, teammate Matthew Sopp with 48. Hunter Brustevich also with 48 points. He's on pace to have over 100. He's a defenseman, folks. And yet somehow did not get an an invite to the uh, World Junior Camp for the United States. And that one caught me by surprise. But my guest today will tell you exactly why. That actually kind of makes sense. And it isn't a slight on Brustevich. It's just an indication of how deep the U.S. is this year. Wait for that. I think you'll understand what I'm talking about. Anthony Romani from the North Bay Battalion has 44 points, and David Goyette has 42. Didn't get invited to Canada's camp. Quinton Musty, also of the Sudbury Wolves, no invite to the United States camp. Statistically speaking, your top goaltender in the O is uh, Jackson Parsons from the Kitchener Rangers with a 248 goals against. He also has a 918 save percentage, which puts him second in the league in that category. In the WHL, well, some uh, some signings and some trades have happened. The Kamloops Blazers traded the rights to defenseman Tyson Jugnoth. He had been playing with the Wisconsin Badgers, and I say that's past tense. 
the Blazers traded his rights to the Portland Winterhawks, and Portland was able to sign him. Apparently, he will make his uh, Winterhawks debut this weekend. Now, I asked around with uh, some folks that I know in the Wisconsin area why Jugnoth, after two seasons, would leave Wisconsin. Sounds like he was just lost in the uh, on the depth chart. I was told, this is a quote, sounds like he wants more minutes and didn't see that in the cards. He was sixth of 8D for ice time, lost his power play spot, and was scratched three of the last four games for the Badgers. So here's a guy who wants to play. And it wasn't getting as the opportunity that he thought he should and will get that opportunity with the Portland Winterhawks. He's a Seattle Kraken draft pick, a fourth-round pick in 2022. Medicine Hat signed defenseman Jack Kachowski, who was playing for the Brooks Bandits. They drafted him as well. Wasn't uh, I think he played 13 games, so I want to say he wasn't an everyday player for Brooks, but I actually don't know that. He might have been banged up, so that might not be fair to him, but deciding to uh, go to the Medicine Hat Tigers. Speaking of Medicine Hat, former Tigers goaltender Beckett Lankow has now signed with the Edmonton Oil Kings. The Oil Kings parting ways basically with Logan Cunningham, who really struggled this season. They were high expectations in Edmonton uh, for Cunningham that he could maybe even supplant Colby Hay as the uh, number one guy. Just did not get off to a good start, and I think that uh, really affected his confidence. Uh, so Cunningham... I think they're trying to find a place for him to play. Maybe he ends up in Spruce Grove. That's where Beckett Lankow was playing. Josh Davies of the Portland Winterhawks signs with the Florida Panthers. Always great to see when uh, when that happens. And a later round pick as well, who's really come into his own as a member of the Winterhawks. He was a sixth round selection by the Panthers back in 2022. He had 36 points that year for the Swift Current Broncos last year. 34 points, so didn't really take a step forward. Gets traded to Portland. He's got 31 already after just 22 games. Just announced today, Friday, as I'm speaking with you, uh, the Oil Kings signing Owen Mastroianni, who they selected 11th round in his draft year. He's a a 2007-born player. Apparently, he's going to make his debut this weekend for the Oil Kings. They play a home-at-home against the Medicine Hat Tigers. Friday night in Medicine Hat, Saturday night down at Rogers Place in beautiful downtown Edmonton. Quick look at the standings in the Western Hockey League. The hottest team right now, the Wenatchee Wild, who are 8-0-2 in their uh, last 10 games. That's the streak that they're on right now. Sitting one point back of Prince George for top position in the Western Conference, although they have played two more games than the Cougars, so uh, PG has that still in their favor. The Saskatoon Blades in the Eastern Conference are the number one team and would be number two overall going by winning percentage. They've only played 28 games as well, so in the overall standings, they have two games in hand on Wenatchee. Medicine Hat, what a year the Tigers are having. They are sitting second in the Eastern Conference with 36 points, winners of seven of their last 10. And locally, where are the Oil Kings? Well, they're sitting in last place in the Eastern Conference, and I know, listen, it was a terrible year last season. This year has been bad because of injuries. I tweeted this out earlier this week. It's getting to be ridiculous. They have literally a third of their starting lineup is not just unavailable, but unavailable for a long time. They're listed as week to week or more. As of December 5th, this is the injury report uh, for the Oil Kings. Carter Kowalik, who's now actually upgraded to just day to day, so might be back you know, in the next couple of weeks. Maybe we'll see him before Christmas. Reese Peterson, defenseman, starting defenseman, out week to week. 
Reed Larson, who is like a six seven defenseman on this team, he's out month to month with a lower body injury. Ethan McKenzie, who's a regular starting defenseman, he's out week to week with an upper body injury. Then you've got the forwards. Aiden Lipke, done for the season. Overage player, or 20-year-old player that they acquired in the offseason, expected to be one of their go-to guys this year and had played that way for the first month and a half of the year. Done. They replace him, basically, with Skylar Bruce, who is doing exactly what you would hope one of your 20-year-old players would do, and that's lead you offensively. He's now out. Lower body, week to week. Ryland Kovacevic, who is one of their better shooters on the team, he's out. Upper body, week to week. Adam Yeko, potential first-round pick for the 2024 NHL draft, out. Lower body, week to week. It's absolutely crazy. You look at the rest of the injury report around the league, most teams have one or two guys. Edmonton, that's eight guys that I just listed. It, it is, it's honestly a third of their starting roster. It's a lot to come back from and a big reason they are where they are in the standings. I say it often, injuries, you can't use that as an excuse, but it is a reason. It's a legit reason. Looking at the stat leaders in the Western Hockey League, Riley Height of the Prince George Cougars enters this weekend's play on top with 53 points. His teammate Zach Funk has 51. Height did not get an invite to Hockey Canada's World Junior Camp. Jagger Furcus did, deservedly so, 50 points right now. With the Moose Jaw Warriors, Connor Geeky from Wenatchee has 49 points. He's been on fire as of late. And Gabe Claussen from Portland has 44 points. Top goaltender right now, statistically speaking, is uh, Joshua Ravensbergen from the Prince George Cougars, who has a 163 goals against average and a 944 save percentage. I should point out, he's supposed to be the backup, but uh, Ty Young has not had the season that he would have hoped for. He's sitting with a 329 goals against and an 880 save percentage. So big difference in the success that those two guys have had right now. And if there's uh, extenuating circumstances, maybe Young's injured. I don't know. I'm, I, I Again, I'm out of the loop here when it comes to the news. But perfect time for a rookie netminer to uh, be taking advantage of the situation there in Prince George. Don Spoonar of the Portland Winterhawks has a 182 goals against and a 929 save percentage. Still draft eligible. Maybe this is the year. Okay, let's quickly move to the Alberta Junior Hockey League. And you're looking at the standings, and the cream is starting to rise to the top. It's an annual tradition now. The Brooks Bandits start to pull away from the pack. It's taken them longer this season than most years, and that is because of the quality of the Sherwood Park Crusaders and the Black Falls Bulldogs. But now it's a nine-point lead for Brooks. They have 58 points. A record of 29-3. and Sherwood Park still playing really good hockey, but the Bandits have won 14 in a row. That is a pretty hard pace to keep up with. Uh, the Crusaders have 49 points. Blackfalds has 47. Then it drops down. Okotoks with 40. Further down, some of the usual suspects, the Bonneville Pontiacs, are now 8th. They've actually struggled here over the last stretch. have only won 4 of their last 10 games. And the Spruce Grove Saints are sitting 10th now in the Alberta Junior Hockey League. And similar to Brooks, in the AJ, in the BCHL, well, it's the Penticton Vs, and now they've pulled away from the pack. It's another nine-point lead. Now they're up uh, on the overall standings above the Surrey Eagles. And in the Interior Conference, the Vernon Vipers also have 33 points. Surrey and uh, Vernon both with 33 points in separate conferences. 
It's actually a pretty good race in the Coastal Conference between Surrey, Victoria, and Alberta Valley. Just three points separating those three teams. Dipping below the border, the Fargo Force, with a record of 18-2-1, lead the USHL in the overall standings and the Western Conference, obviously. They've got a cushion over the Sioux City Musketeers and the Sioux Falls Stampede. In the Eastern Conference, though, it's tight. Green Bay and Dubuque tied with 31 points. Youngstown just one point back with 30. Uh, the teams who have uh, struggled this year, Chicago in 8th place, last place still in the Eastern Conference. They've won just 7 of 21 games. Even worse, Lincoln and Omaha in the West. Lincoln 6-13 and 13 with a couple of shootout losses in there as well. And the Omaha Lancers only 4 wins after 21 games. Top scorer in the USHL right now, well, it's a tie. Zamplant has 27 points. He's off to the World Junior A Challenge. Eric Paulson, the Swede, has 27 points. Trevor Connolly has 26. So does Max Swanson. I believe both of those guys headed to the World Junior A Challenge for Team USA as well. So is Caden Sheehan. He has 24 points. Not difficult to tell why the United States does so well at the World Junior A Challenge every year. Meanwhile... When the rosters came out for Canada East and Canada West, Canada West has a 22-player roster. 19 of them are from the Alberta Junior Hockey League. It's basically Team AJHL. Since the BCHL went rogue, I know in the big picture they don't really care about a, a week-long tournament. But man, it's it's it puts the uh, it puts Canada West at such a disadvantage now because even with the BCHL, you'd probably have equal amount of AJ and BCHL players. You take all those BCHL guys and now you're getting a bunch of AJHL guys who wouldn't have normally made the team. So obviously your your team's not as good. Maybe I'm wrong. That's my opinion. In the North American Hockey League, the Lone Star Brahmas with 44 points is a league high. They play in the South Division. The East Division's Maryland Black Bears have 40 points. That's a tight race in that division though. The main Nordique with 39 points and a game in hand. It's been a little while since I looked at the top scorers in the Null. That person is now Maxwell Martin, who plays for the Wisconsin Windigo. He has 43 points, 6th in Yanersho from uh, the Northeast Generals. He's been one of the league's leading scorers all season long. He's got 42 points, so tight race between those two guys. Then it drops off a lot, almost 10 points to the next guy. We'll wrap up the opening segment uh, looking at the... Top 20 poll for Division One college hockey, according to USCHO. That's U.S. College Hockey Online. Coming into the weekend, North Dakota is now ranked number one with 33 first-place votes. Boston College is two. Boston University is three. Denver is four. Quinnipiac, five. Followed by Wisconsin, Michigan State, Maine, Providence, and Minnesota. The Golden Gophers are 10. The rest of it. Massachusetts, Arizona State, Western Michigan, Michigan, St. Cloud, New Hampshire, Penn State, Cornell, RIT, and the Fighting Irish of Notre Dame are 20th. Okay, this is made for a very long opening segment, so I'm going to tell you about the guest list, all of whom will join me courtesy the Troubled Monk Hotline. Located in beautiful Red Deer, Alberta, the Troubled Monk Tap Room is now open. You can place orders online and pick up at the tap room, or you can go to your local liquor store in Alberta. And if they don't have your Troubled Monk wish list, you can have that filled. Simply ask them to bring the stuff in for you. It's available to them. I recommend the Daycation Lager. 
if you're a craft beer fan. If you're not, they have other craft beverages as well. They're all worth sharing. Check out Troubled Tea or the Adequate Vodka Soda. You can never go wrong with a Rebel's Red Red Ale. Check out their inventory at troubledmonk.com slash shop. Three guests for you this week. The first of whom is a Derek Newmeyer from McKean's Hockey. Now, this is a conversation I actually had with Derek about 10 days ago. It's not dated. All we're doing is profiling WHL players of note for the 2024 NHL draft. And we talk about a lot of them. Must be at least a dozen guys that we uh, do a deep dive on here. Grab a coffee, settle in. Must be a 25-minute conversation with Derek Newmeyer. A lot of guys. If you're a draft junkie, you don't want to miss that segment. That will be followed by Chris Peters from Flow Hockey, great friend of the show, and he's got lots of insight on Team USA and Team Canada. Their U-20 camp rosters, who didn't get the call for both teams? Were they big glaring omissions? And who is the favorite, actually, for this tournament? Canada's won two in a row. They're looking to win their third gold in a row. I don't think anybody is actually picking them as the favorite. Is it the United States or is it someone else? Chris has got an answer for you. And we will wrap things up this week with a 2024 draft spotlight. Timely, as the Edmonton Oil Kings are in Medicine Hat on Friday night and hosting the Tigers on Saturday night, it's Andrew Basha from the Tigers. Given a B rating from NHL Central Scouting, that pegs him as a a likely second-round pick, having a terrific year. Someone that you need to know, especially if you're a draft junkie. So that will be in the final segment this week. With that, let's get to it. Derek Newmeyer from McKean's Hockey. He's up first. You're listening to The Pipeline Show, brought to you by Willock Beef Jerky. Hey, it's Jake Neighbors from the Edmonton Oil King. Sawchuck. Here comes Neighbors driving away. Backhander. Scores! What a shot! Oh, Jake Neighbors backhander on the rush. It's 4-3 Edmonton. And you're listening to The Pipeline Show. Don, buddy, want to come over and watch the game? I'll make a big salad. Uh, I don't know, man. Steve, come over and watch the game. I've got a massive salad here. Yeah, my wife needs me to go shopping with her. Mike, want to watch the game and eat salad with me? Who is this? Did I mention I've got a bunch of Will Hawk beef jerky, too? I'll be right over. I'm heading over now. I'm already at your front door. Will Hawk beef jerky. Because you don't win friends with salad. Will Hawk is the home of Alberta's best beef jerky. In Leduc, Spruce Grove, and West Edmonton Mall. You're listening to The Pipeline Show with Guy Flaming. Hello there, children. Beginning this week's episode in a fine fashion as we're going to get to uh, speak with the assistant director of uh, scouting with McKean's. That would be uh, Derek Neumeyer. Uh, Derek, welcome back to the program. How are you? Hey, I'm doing well. Thanks for having me back. I'm always excited to come on and chat about some prospects. Well, it's perfect timing because uh, we're getting closer and closer to the World Junior Championship and, and things like the World Junior A Challenge. And those are always big scouting events. Uh, so I figured it was uh, about time to uh, get you back on the show and, and talk about some guys uh, for the 2024 NHL draft. And uh, we're going to focus on the Western Hockey League in this segment. And uh, you're, you're still based in Alberta, aren't you? Yeah, I'm based out of Calgary and try and hit up as many games as I can in the uh, surrounding area as well. All right, outstanding. Uh, it's It seems like, I know last year we were talking about how it was such a banner year for the WHL. And of course it was, with Connor Bedard going number one and a bunch of guys uh, at the very high end of the draft. And I thought this year would be a bit of a step back, but I don't know how you feel about it, but it looks like another bumper crop here out of the dub. 
Yeah, it really does. And honestly, this, this year's uh, class starts looking better and better the, the more you dig into it. And there's not quite a Connor Bedard talent. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I don't think there's going to be anyone who's quite pushing for uh, first overall. Although it is funny, uh, Maxwin Celebrini, the projected first overall pick, is from Western Canada. Mm-hmm. He's just playing in uh, the NCAA right now. But, uh, yeah, it's, it's a really good year for the dub. Uh, there could be as many as seven or eight guys who go in the first round. So there's certainly going to be a lot, of, uh, a lot of talent coming out of this region this year. Is there competition to be that first guy taken from the WHL this year? Or I think most people have Berkeley Catton as the number one, but I have seen some lists out there that suggest it could be someone else. Uh, how do you feel about it right now? Yeah, for the for the top guy out of the dub this year, I think there is a contest, or if not a contest, it might have actually swung uh, beyond Catton. So coming into the season, I think it was pretty safe to say that Catton was the guy. And, you know, he hasn't necessarily done anything to have him drop. He's still, you know, just as good as he was before, still a very talented playmaker, uh, great offensive vision, uh, you know, underrated shooter as well. But what we've really seen at the start of this year, and he actually goes back to last year in the summer as well, but it's the continued emergence of Caden Lindstrom Mm -hmm. of the Medicine Hat Tigers. He just gets better and better and better. And he just brings such a unique package of tools to the table. He's a bigger guy at about 6'3", maybe 6'4", but he's also a fantastic skater, a great puck handler, can play you know, a a quick, uh, skilled game, but he's also not afraid to use his size and his strength to his advantage. So he's got a bit of a power game to, to him as well. Uh, he plays center, projects well as a center at the higher levels. And when you just look at what he can do and, you know, the progress that he's made, and, and when you watch him, you, you can still tell that he's kind of figuring things out a little bit. So you think he's, his game is going to grow even more than it already has over the last little bit. So when you just look at the overall profile, I mean, this is a guy who's very, very intriguing. Um, you know, it, it could be a rare kind of player at the NHL level. And I think we're going to see him go somewhere in the top five, maybe even push as high as two or three. It almost sounds like, I want to say Quentin Byfield, and I know everyone's going to say, well, because they're both black guys. And I, I don't want to use that as the, the comparison. But I remember in, in Byfield's year, as a big guy like that, as a, a somewhat powerful, but still sort of figuring out his game in his draft season, and even after getting drafted, it, it took a couple years for it to to really quick for him, but do you see similarities between those two guys outside of their complexion? Oh yeah, absolutely. Uh, I mean, playing style, like what I just described with Lindstrom is, you know, almost word for word what it is with Byfield. Right. Uh, I would say Lindstrom has more of a power game. Uh, you don't see Byfield uh, throwing his body around quite as much. He doesn't quite get his hands dirty and post-whistle scrums the way that Lindstrom is leaning towards. Mm-hmm. But yeah, very, very similar types of players. And I think you'll probably see a similar type of um, NHL trajectory to them. Like, I don't think that Lindstrom is going to be a guy who's going to be quite ready in his first year of NHL eligibility. Uh, it might be a guy who takes a couple seasons to kind of, you know, get his game going a little bit. And it needs to be said that this guy was a third-round pick in the WHL Bantam draft. Mm-hmm. You know, he's not someone who's been an, a top player of his age group, you know, going back to being seven or eight, which a lot of these guys are. So he's a bit of a late bloomer. So I think you're going to need to have a little bit of patience with him after he gets drafted. But the upside is very, very high. And like we're seeing with Byfield this year, you know, he's really coming into his own once he's learning how to you know, maximize all the tools he has and put them all together. Uh, all right, let's go back to Berkeley Catton for a minute. And he is what everybody expected from him. Uh, where has his game grown this year? Or is it just sort of a natural progression? Everything is just slightly better for him. And 
he hasn't taken a step back. He's he's still going to be one of those definitely a top ten guy in your opinion. Yeah, it's it's going to be a competition for the top ten, but I I would say Catton's got a pretty good shot of going that high. And you've got a guy who can play center and do a lot of different damage offensively. You know, maybe he's a little on the smaller side and maybe not the most elite skater, but he moves around the ice just fine. You know, he doesn't shy away from contact when it comes to him. Sometimes you maybe wish he could get a little bit more work out of him, but you know, he's also a guy who's playing a lot of minutes on a bad team, kind of has to do the heavy lifting every night. So mm-hmm. you don't want to ding his work rate too much because he's probably conserving his energy throughout games. But what I what I really liked about him this year actually has been uh, more of a commitment to his two-way game. His off-puck plays a lot better. He's playing at a higher pace overall. I think he's making better reads defensively, you know, working a little bit harder on the back check. So, yeah, like the offensive side of his game has taken that night, that next step forward which was expected as he got a year older and a year more experienced. But I also got to say, I've been really impressed with the way that his uh, defensive game has also taken a step forward. Now tell me about Tarek Parasak, because uh, he's outscored everybody uh, in the WHL in their draft season, guys in their draft season right now. And I, I know he's got a really strong supporting cast up for Prince George, but he was doing it before some of those guys came back from NHL camps and stuff. It seems like it's a guy coming in out of nowhere because he didn't play in the in the league last season. Um, what have you seen from Tarek Parasak, and can he keep up this sort of scoring pace? I mean, boy, talk about a hot start to the season. Hey? No kidding. You know, came in, burst out to uh, a league lead in goal scoring, uh, kept it for quite a while. I think he's been passed. I, if I recall correctly, I don't think he leads the league in goals anymore. So his, his scoring pace has slowed down a little bit, but he's still really emerging as a solid player. Um, I think the goal scoring was maybe maybe a bit of a mirage. Like he's not a he's not a true saver. You know, he can't shoot the puck like someone like Bedard can. I mean, really, who could? Mm-hmm. But he's not really like a high-volume shooter. He's not a true uh, a goal-scoring type of guy. When I've watched him, I've really come away impressed with just his overall game. He's got good hands. He's smart. He works hard. He just kind of seems to be around the play a lot. He seems really reliable and trustworthy in all situations. But I think he's the type of guy who's going to score goals um, throughout this season, throughout his WHL career, and into the NHL just because of how hard he works and how smart he is. When you watch how he's scoring goals, it's, you know, stuff around the net, you know, getting to rebounds first, deflections, tips. And, you know, some of that is a little bit of luck. Sometimes there's some bounces that go your way. But he's also getting to the puck before other players are. He's putting himself in the right positions. Like, he's doing a lot of good work to get those greasy goals. And sometimes that can be harder than it looks. Derek Neumeyer, he is uh, from McKean's Hockey. He's the assistant director of scouting and the head Western scout for McKean's, uh, joining me here on the Pipeline Show. All right, let's get to uh, some other guys out of the Western Hockey League this year. One of my favorites, and it seems like he's been in the league for a long time already, it's Tanner Howe uh, of the Regina Pats. This, he's a thrill-a-minute player. He's really good. I know the question was, okay, what's it going to mean not just for him but for the rest of the Regina Pats this year without Connor Bedard and without Suze DeLevin and guys like that? He hasn't missed a beat. He's got 30 points in 26 games as we're talking right now. 15 of the goal. I mean, even split goals and assists, 15 of each. Uh, tell me about Tanner Howe from your perspective. Yeah, there's a lot to like about Tanner Howe. And I think he's the type of guy who took a lot of good things out of playing with Connor Bedard for the past three seasons. And you can kind of see it in elements of his game. Uh, you know, I just love this guy. He's the type of guy that every coach is, is going to love him. He, he's just so reliable and consistent. Um, when he was named captain of the past, it shouldn't have come as a surprise to anyone who knew him or has watched him play because he plays like with his heart on his sleeve. You can tell he's a real leader out there. Uh, like Parasek, just a 
super, super smart player, great pace, like tons of work ethic. He's not necessarily the most skilled guy. He's not like a flashy, like puck handler, like a Matt Barzal or, you know, a slick playmaker like a Nikita Kucherov. But he's just, he's always around the puck. He applies the right kind of pressure. He's great on the forecheck. You know, he, he fights hard for space around the net. He just always does so many good things in, in games. He's really consistent shift over shift. Uh, again, not the biggest guy, not the fastest guy, but he just plays so hard and so smart with everything that he does. And he's, he, the puck just kind of follows him around everywhere he goes. And, you know, I think it really says a lot that he's been able to keep up a pretty high scoring pace on the past this year because, you know, he doesn't have a whole lot of help around him. He's really emerging as, as a leader on that team. And I think it's going to be something that draws a lot of praise from scouts. I think he's a late birthday. Correct me if I'm wrong on that, but uh, having an extra year sort of under his, his belt, I think, is is helping him a lot. Um, take me to Ryder Ritchie in Prince Albert for a minute and maybe, I don't know, say compare it to Tanner Howe, but uh, another, not a huge guy, but an explosive player and putting up big numbers. I know he had a really good Ivan Holinka tournament as well, so that's going to help him. Um, but his production hasn't dropped off either. Uh, what do you like about Ryder Ritchie? Yeah, I like Richie a lot. I mean, he's the son of a former longtime uh, hockey player, Byron Richie. Mm-hmm. And, you know, he actually kind of plays like his dad in terms of the work ethic and just the consistency. Like, his dad wasn't the most skilled guy. You know, made a really, really good career for himself, doing it the hard way, the dirty way. But that's what I like about Richie. You know, he, he's, you can tell that he's learned a lot of valuable lessons from his dad about how he plays. But what's nice is he's also a little bit more skilled. He's a good skater, very explosive in short bursts great shooter, great with the puck on his stick. Uh, he's a guy who can really drive a line. He's a guy who can just make something happen out of nothing offensively. But he's also, you know, with his roots, he's, he's a good defensive player. You know, he doesn't cheat. He works really hard. He's responsible defensively. He's the type of guy who could play on the first line uh, once he reaches the NHL. And maybe he's not a true, like, superstar player. Maybe not a guy who scores more than 70 points in a season. But he's also a guy you can throw out there on your first uh, penalty killing unit. He's a guy you could put out there, you know, defending a lead late in games. Uh, could be a guy who wears a letter at the NHL level. So there's a lot to like about him. His stats aren't the best right now, but he doesn't have a lot of support offensively in Prince Albert. Mm. But, you know, even if he doesn't score a lot this season, the tools are all there for him to be a productive player at, at the higher levels, and scouts will see that. That's going to be a fun team to watch over the next couple of years, though. Lots of young talent. Uh, with the Prince Albert Raiders coming along. I haven't seen the Kelowna Rockets in person for a while now, uh, and uh, the last time I did, T.J. Ginola wasn't on that team. He was still a member of the Seattle Thunderbirds. Uh, but he's another guy, kind of like Parasak, who not quite as much as Parasak coming in out of nowhere, but uh, now we're hearing Ginola might be having such a season that now there's going to be first-round potential for him, and I don't know that we were saying that at the start of the year. Uh, you've seen T.J. Ginola play, I'm sure, uh, what have you uh, taken away from the Knights when you watched them? Oh, yeah, he's definitely a guy who's getting a lot of first-round consideration right now, and I think that's only going to keep continuing. He might even be a guy who pushes for the top 10. Wow. The main reason being he's got an NHL-caliber shot. I mean, I guess maybe it's not surprising considering his dad is Jerome, but this is a guy who can really rip the puck, uh, and, th- and that's just hard to find at the NHL level. You're always going to put a premium on guys who are pure goal scorers, and the certainly has that. He's not a one-dimensional player. I think he's really smart off the puck as well. Uh, you know that he's played some penalty killing time on Kelowna, and he hasn't looked out of place. He can play a bit of a skill game, a bit of a physical game, 
he's not a big bruiser, but he's pretty sturdy. He's pretty strong. You know, he can win those battles along the boards. But really, his bread and butter is that big shot that he has. I mean, anywhere in the offensive zone, he's a threat to score. Uh, put him on the power play, he's especially lethal. And I think we're going to see him shoot out draft board just because he's in such a different situation now. Like last year with Seattle on, you know, a, a championship team, he just didn't have like a lot of ice time. He didn't have a lot of room to grow. But now in Kelowna, he's, he's getting a lot of good opportunity playing in their top six, yeah. getting some time on the power play. You're seeing his game take steps forward. And I think it wouldn't be a surprise seeing what he's doing now if he had been with Kelowna last year, because we would have seen more of that beforehand. But yeah, he's, he's certainly trending in the right direction. And he's got a lot of upside, and I think uh, I think he's going to be a guy that's very entertaining to watch throughout the rest of his WHL career and well into his NHL career. He just has this big game charisma to him. You know, he'll, he'll be getting his hands dirty, he'll be fighting for loose pucks, and he'll come out with a big smile on his face. And you can just see he's fired up, he's competitive, he's engaged. There's a lot of good attributes to him. Derek Newmeyer from McKean's, my guest here on the Pipeline Show, looking at uh, WHL draft eligible players. Uh, for the 2024 NHL draft. Everyone we've talked about thus far, uh, Derek, has been a forward. I know the uh, the class of 2024 in general is pretty good for defensemen this year, but there's really, uh, it's for, in my opinion, one guy who stands above head and shoulders out of the Western Hockey League when it comes to Blue Liners, and that is uh, Carter Yakumchuk uh, with the Calgary Hitman. I, I've liked him since the first game I've seen him in the WHL a couple of years ago, uh, and he's, he's a, a more than a point-per-game player. And yet, in my head, I don't necessarily think of him as an offensive-minded defenseman. He's not one-dimensional like that. He, this is a guy, in my opinion, really can do it all. Uh, what, what's your takeaway from from Yakimchuk? You get to see him a lot, probably, in Calgary. Yeah, absolutely. He, he's a very well-rounded defenseman. I don't think there are any noticeable um, you know, areas of his game that are red flags or even weaknesses, really. He's, he's really good offensively, as his numbers will show, but... He's committed defensively. He moves the puck well. He's got some size and some reach to him, which certainly helps. You know, he's not afraid to, you know, get physical. He'll fight. He'll, you know, get chippy with guys. Like, he doesn't back down from physical challenges, which is nice. Um, I, I think the offense has really come along quite nicely. It's just watching him from his first year as a 16-year-old. He actually might have been 15 uh, when that season started. He's just grown so, so well. Uh, the Hitmen have had... You know, a rough go of it the last couple of years. They've been a younger team. There's been opportunity for guys to take a step up. And Yakinchuk has just, you know, burst through that door. He is the guy that can carry that team on his back. And they often do. Like, I've joked about this with other scouts before, but sometimes the Hitman will develop a strategy of just give Yakinchuk the puck and get out of the way. Hmm. And often it actually works. You know, he'll drive the puck all the way up the ice himself. He'll generate a scoring chance. You know, he'll get it up from the offensive blue line and take it all the way to the net and score. Like This is a guy who can just make something happen out of nothing, which is actually pretty rare for a defenseman. And from the offensive blue line in, there aren't a lot of guys who are more dangerous than he is. But, yeah, the, the overall package is really appealing. Like I was saying, he's got size, he's got mobility, he shoots right. Like This is a guy who could push for the top ten just because you know, he's a guy who could be a number two or a number three defenseman at the NHL level if everything goes right. Well, you said uh, there'd be seven or eight guys in that conversation to, uh, to be first-rounders uh, from the WHL. That's seven guys that we just talked about. Who's the next one, in your opinion? Oh, it might be someone out of your backyard up in Edmonton, uh, Adam Yakko. Uh, he, he's been a, tr- a bit of a tricky guy to get a read on this season. And actually, going back you know, the last few years, you know, a highly touted prospect coming out of Czechia, 
you know, has shown some flashes, but hasn't always put forth the, you know, the, the best results um, in international tournaments or anything like that. But there's just so much interesting stuff about him. He was a huge guy about six, four, six, five. He's a center and a really fluid mover, fluid skater, fluid hands. And he's got some legitimate skill to him. It doesn't always come out every game or every shift. And, you know, maybe that's, uh, Part, partially due to his environment. You know, the Oil Kings are rebuilding. They don't have a lot of talent. He's not exactly in a great place to put up points, and he's also adjusting to North America. So, you know, there are things that might hold him back. But you just see these flashes with him where he can just take over a shift and, you know, make something really, really incredible happen. And when you look at what he could be down the line once he starts growing, like I was saying with um, Lindstrom, you know, it's putting all the pieces together and, you know, forming into a complete player. There's a lot to like about what he brings. And I think he's going to be a guy who plays in the NHL regardless. Maybe it's just going to be, end up being in a bottom six role, but I do see flashes of top six upside there. And when you can get a six foot five center who can move well and, you know, contribute top six numbers, like that's, that's pretty appealing to scouts. There's another oil King who's draft eligible this year. Wasn't on the list at all from, uh, from NHL central scouting, which I think really surprised a lot of people up here at least, and that would be Gavin Hodnett. Now, we know what the, the downside is. He's, he's not a very big guy, but he's got lots of skill, lots of talent. Is, is he a guy, that, in your opinion, worthy of a draft pick? I would think so. I mean, you look at the later rounds, you're always going to be looking for guys who shine in one area or another. I mean, any pick outside the top 100 is going to be risky to some degree. But when I watch Hodnett, you know, I see a lot of good things. He's got a really, really good uh, brain for the offensive zone. You know, he, he really plays hard. He's not scared of, you know, being the guy who has to take charge for his team. Uh, he's got good hands. He's got good playmaking ability, good vision. He's got a pretty good shot. Like, there are a lot of good things to work with there. I mean, maybe you take a guy like that in the later round, try and work on his skating, get him a little bit quicker, a little more agile, because he's going to need that to, to succeed. But, I mean, I would bet on a guy with skill and hope you can work on some of the kinks or work out some of the kinks later on down the road. Because when it comes to like the fifth or sixth or seventh round, you're not going to find a lot of guys who have the same pure skill level that he does. So I would absolutely say he's worth a shot at some point. Um, Derek, I want to ask you about uh, potential guys who were passed over in previous years who who would still be eligible and, and might be on the radar for this year. I'll let you think about that for a second, though. Uh, while you are, tell me about Miguel Marcus with the Lethbridge Hurricanes, who's got 26 points in 25 games. He's a first-round pick in the WHL draft. Never really seemed to, to to reach his potential until this season where he's starting to break out. Uh, tell me about Miguel Marcus and sort of what he's done to to really start to uh, uh, reach his potential and play to his potential. Yeah, really, really dangerous player in the offensive zone, uh, especially on the power play when you've got a little bit more time and space. He's a good shooter. Uh, I think he thinks the game really, really well. He anticipates the play really, really well. He's able to break down players one-on-one when the the play's not moving too quickly, which is pretty rare. You know, he's got a nice ability to toe drag and kind of deke around guys to open up a little bit more of shooting space for him. There are still some concerns there with his skating and his pace. Um, His his ability as a transition player is a little lacking. There are times where he can kind of get, you know, angled to the outside or, you know, is gapped up on a little too quickly. So he's certainly going to be a guy who needs to improve his, his skating and his overall quickness, like a little bit like Hodnett. Right. But I mean, he's a guy who's got a great shot. Like he's a really, really dangerous player once the puck is on a stick in the offensive zone. He's got a little bit of time and space to work with. 
So there's certainly elements there that will attract teams. And I think he's in a good situation with Lethbridge. I mean, they're not a team that's really been a, a big offensive powerhouse going back quite a while now. Um, they don't have a ton of uh, other guys around his age who are really, really um, talented offensively. So he's going to be in a situation where he, he's going to be given chances to grow. He's going to be on the first power play. He's going to be on the first line overall. Like He's going to be guys getting a lot of ice time in offensive situations. So that's a good sign for his long-term development because Lethbridge is really going to put a lot of uh, you know effort and resources into getting him uh, as, as a better player and seeing his game improve. Who else from the WHL that we haven't talked about yet is a guy that uh, you have maybe a personal favorite or something for the second or third round that uh, that you think could be a really good value at that spot? Mm-hmm. One guy that I've been trying to come back to more often just because I'm so intrigued by him is actually uh, Lucas Mateka out of Tri-City, mm-hmm. uh, the Czech import goalie. So he was passed over last year. Uh, I actually didn't watch him at all last year. I just He just kind of flew under my radar, but he was ranked, I think it was fifth among uh, European goalies by NHL Central Scouting. But he's really interesting. He's, he's a big guy, you know, naturally takes up a lot of that himself, but he's very composed, very calm. I like his ability to see pucks through traffic. He's not a, necessarily an exciting goalie by any means, but you don't really need to be at the NHL level now. You could guys like Jake Ottinger or Elias Sorokin. You know, they usually just let their size and their form and their positioning do most of the work for them. And with Mateka, you see flashes of that same type of goalie. You know, you don't want him moving around too much. You don't want him having to rely on his limbs extended to make saves. But he's done a really, really good job in Tri-City. That's a team that doesn't have a lot of defensive structure. You know, they give up really high-quality chances. They don't have the puck a whole lot. They're just like a young, rebuilding team. And and he just came in there immediately and, you know, won, won the starting job. He's got really good numbers this season, you know, a good win-loss record. Like, what he's able to do with the team in front of him is very, very encouraging for what he could do uh, down the road once he gets a little bit more polished. There's a couple other goalies in the dub, both uh, overage players, not overage, uh, but guys who have gone through the draft at least once. Uh, Jan Spoonar in, in Portland would be one of them, and I wonder how much, uh, you know, having a, a really, really good team in front of him is – giving scouts pause, like, uh, well, it's because he's got such a talented club in front of him that maybe he's not getting the attention that, that he personally deserves. And I wonder if it's sim- something similar with Harrison Menegin in Lethbridge. I think he's a really good, I think he's a legit goaltender uh, and didn't get drafted last year. And I've heard, you know, some people suggest that he could be in the running for Team Canada at the at the World Junior Championship. Well, your thoughts on both of those guys? Yeah, I like Menigan a lot, actually. He's a guy that came onto my radar last year. He had a really strong start to the season with uh, Brian Thompson injured in yeah. Lethbridge, and he really showed himself well. He was a guy I was watching a lot. Um, he started to cool down in the back half of the season. Thompson came back, took the starting job, and I just didn't have enough of a book on Menigan to, to say he would be a guy that should be ranked or should be drafted. But I really love what he's done this season. You know, he's come in and just really looked comfortable in that starting role with Lethbridge. It is a team that plays well defensively. They they have a lot of defensive structure, which helps them out. But when you watch him play, there's a lot of there's a lot to like. You know, he's got a he's a bigger guy, about six foot three. He's also pretty quick, pretty athletic. Uh, still seems a little skinny too. Like he's filling into his frame a little bit more. You can see that he's still working on his strength and his conditioning and just being an athlete overall. 
But you look at a guy who's got very good tools like that. He's putting up good numbers. He's comfortable or looks comfortable as a starter, assuming a, a high workload. You know, I, there's a lot to like there. And goalies are always so hard. And it's hard to sometimes draft a 17-year-old and kind of hope that things go right for him. But with Manigan, he's about 18 or 19 now. I think he's 19. And, you know, when you, if you draft a guy at 17, this is kind of where you'd be really happy with him as a 19-year-old. So when you look at what Medigan could do now, you know, in the second or third or fourth round, like if you draft the 17-year-old, this is what you're hoping for. But now you've got a guy who's already showing he can do this. So I think that's going to put him on a lot of draft radar, and I think you could do a lot worse for a goalie prospect. Um, with Spoonar, he's a tricky case. Like, yeah, like you were saying, like Portland, they're a great team. They always seem to have the puck. You know, they don't give up a lot of quality chances. So his numbers have been good this season, but when you look at the box scores, you know, he's making 23 saves a night, maybe 25 out of 26. Then you watch the game, he's not facing a lot of really dangerous shots. So he's a little bit tricky. I mean, there are elements there. He's got NHL size. He's got pretty good technical skill, but he see the odd goal that gets through him that really shouldn't. Um, maybe with some NHL development, you know, with NHL quality goaltending coaching, he could be a guy who turns into something. Um, I think he'll get drafted at some point, uh, maybe also because Portland's probably going to go on a deep playoff run, and you would prefer goalies to have that kind of high-end experience. But I'd be a little wary to take him a little too high. He's just a little bit of a wild card for me so far. Derek, this has been great. Lots of guys uh, that we've uh, broken down here and uh, got some insight on. Anyone else you want to mention before we uh, wrap it up? Well, you're asking me about uh, guys who've gone through the draft before. There's one name that I wanted to talk about. Uh, Quinn Manti out of Brandon has, has really impressed me this season. Uh, he's a guy that we ranked last year at McKean's. I think we had him around the 150s or 160s. So it wasn't a huge surprise that he didn't get drafted. But I just like the foundation to his game. and I like the, the traje- trajectory that he could go on. You know, he was a first-round pick, I believe, in the WHL Bantam draft. So he's a high pedigree. Uh, not the biggest guy, but a really, really solid skater. You know, great agility, great footwork, very, very fast. And he's taken a nice big step this season. I mean, Brandon needed him to. They needed some guy who could, you know, take a step forward from the back end, you know, be more of an impact player on the power play, help out more with transition. And Manti has really stepped up his game. He's, I think he's been very good defensively as well, which he doesn't always get credit for. He's good in transition. He's contributing a little bit more offensively. I just really like the way that his game has, has evolved over the last year or so. And I think he's got a guy, he's a guy who could succeed in the NHL because he has some NHL quality tools, primarily that skating ability. Yeah, we saw him here recently come through Edmonton with the Weekings, and he had a good night there. Uh, outstanding. Derek, this has been a, a lot of fun, and I really appreciate uh, the assist. Uh, don't mind if I uh, call you again, I hope. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I'd love to come back. There's Derek Newmeyer from McKean's Hockey. We had that conversation early last week, probably so about 10 days ago now, but I wanted to include it here. It's been available for patrons at patreon.com slash the pipeline show since we did that interview. It was edited. Uh, if you were a patron, you've had access to that for like 10 days before everybody else. That's one of the advantages of becoming a patron. If you're not one yet, why don't you try a seven-day free trial? You can get that as well at patreon.com slash show. Derek and uh, Brock Otten, who's on the show often, uh, who is the head guy for McKean's, always great guest, lots of terrific insight and a knowledgeable uh, guest to have on. 
make sure you check out their stuff as you get closer and closer to the NHL draft. All right, next up, we are going to look at the World Junior Camp rosters for the United States and Canada with the help of Chris Peters from Flow Hockey. That's next here on the Pipeline Show, brought to you by Wilhock Beef Jerky. Chance for Quinn has it in the deep slot. Quinn right circle. A shot. A riser. Saved by Gayon. Rebound. Gayon makes the save. Oh my goodness! Are you kidding me? Adam Gayon at the buzzer. An unbelievable save. Hi, my name is Adam Gayon. I'm playing for Chippewa Field, and welcome to Pipeline Show. talent, development. NCAA hockey offers all that and its players graduate at a 93% rate. Trevor Zegras. And they score on the lacrosse move. Jake Gensel. Gensel banks it towards the goalie. Scores. Kale McCarr. Kale McCarr. He scores. Stars on campus before the NHL stage. Whether you're a fan or a player, nothing compares to college hockey. My goodness gracious man. Visit collegehockeyinc.com and follow at College Hockey. You're listening to The Pipeline Show with Guy Flaming. Yeah, there were horses and a man on fire, and I killed a guy with a trident. Back on The Pipeline Show with Guy Flaming, and we are going to look at the uh, just-released or recently-released camp invites for the upcoming World Junior Championship. We're going to focus on the U.S. and Canada. We might touch on some of the other countries, uh, but to uh, help me go through this list, it's Chris Peters from Flow Hockey. Uh, Chris, welcome back to the program. How are you? Gee, I'm doing great. Great to be with you, and uh, thanks for having me. Well, I'm glad to uh, to be able to chat with you. I think the last time we traded messages, uh, you were a little uh, under the weather, so uh, glad to hear that you're feeling okay. That's true. Yeah, it's a lot better now, I'll tell you that much. All right. Uh, well, let's uh, get to the the camp rosters. Maybe we'll start with the United States. I think most people are, are expecting them to be the gold medal favorites. I think I am at this point. Uh, do you have any gripe with that, or do you think the, the Americans deserve to be the, the favorites going in? Yeah, you know they certainly certainly seem to you know have the the pieces I would say to to be there. I think goaltending and forward in particular are, are positions of strength for them. Um, you know I wouldn't count out Sweden just because I think that they've got some some good depth. You know they didn't end up getting Leo Carlson, but I you know that's another team that I think is is a legitimate threat here. You know they've had trouble winning the big one, but um, you know they're going to have a very deep balanced team as well. So. Uh, yeah, but I, I think you can make a strong case, though, that the U.S. is on, on paper has, has some of the best talent. When it comes to guys who aren't at their, at least on camp rosters, uh, because they're in the NHL, are those set in stone? Like, can, can Canada still get Zach Benson, for instance? Because I was a little bit surprised that it, it seems as I kind of play catch up here over the last few weeks, that everybody is saying he's not going to be made available. And that surprised me because haven't we in the past seen guys who didn't go to camp and then it just days before the the tournament starts, they're they're loaned there by their NHL club. Yeah, you know that that, that certainly has has happened before. I think the reason that we're we're all feeling that that it won't happen this time is is because you know typically when Canada announces their roster, they'll say, okay, well, you know, Shane Wright will join us in a month or something. You know, and okay. uh, will join us before the tournament. Or you know, they did not do that with Zach Benson. I think, you know, uh, Kevin Adams, the GM of the Buffalo Sabres, had, had said for a while that they were still very on the fence about it. 
Um, and, you know, Benson has played well. The Sabres kind of need him, I guess, you know, so that's the other thing that, that kind of comes into play. And, um, yeah, you, you know, but, but it's not it, – it's really never set in stone. I mean, things can change, right? You know, so suddenly Buffalo makes a trade, and now mm-hmm. they do make him available. It's, it's really not until, you know, the camp ro- – or the roster is set in, uh, in, at, at the tournament that you really can't make changes. So, um, you know, I, I would say never say never, but, you know, basically – you know, definitely never say never on Logan Cooley. He's not coming to join the U.S. to play that much. That's right. Well, we know Bedard is not going to play for Canada either. I was curious about Fantilli, though, because Columbus's season doesn't seem to be going the way that they thought it would. And they've got two or three guys, I think, who are still uh, World Junior eligible, at least on, on paper. So I was wondering if the Blue Jackets might release some guys. But again, doesn't sound like they will. Right. Yeah. And that's, you know, that's that's tough when you don't have. Um, you know, some guys that have NHL experience uh, at, at their disposal. And yeah, but, you know, I think it, especially in Fantilli's case, you know, it, despite the, the, the struggles, I think he's played quite well, um, you know, despite the team struggles. So I think that that's the thing that, you know, you basically, uh, one thing I've heard from teams wh- about why they don't loan players is that, that they, they feel like, you know, either they've been there, done that, in which mm-hmm. case, you know, Fantilli was there last year, but then also it's just, you know, missed, getting out of the rhythm of a, of an NHL season when they're maybe starting to hit their stride a little bit or, or, you know, gaining valuable learning experience and, and different things like that. So, you know, I think teams are are reluctant to, to allow guys outside of their watchful eye, essentially. All right, let's go to the American roster. And I know you, you, you actually have a really great write up at flow hockey about some of the omissions and why, they make sense. They might be eyebrow raisers for some people. I was a little surprised about Hunter Brustevich, uh, the defenseman with the Kitchener Rangers, but you outlined the reasons why uh, really well. And the way you explained it makes a lot of sense. And, and Cole Eiserman, the same thing. Uh, maybe just touch on those two guys quickly you know, for the audience who might also have been surprised but haven't seen your story yet. Yeah, you know, it is it, it is tough. And it's always these 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 decisions are often made in, in razor-thin margins uh, a lot of the time. Um, but, you know, the main thing with Hunter Brustevich and, and, and really this USD core as a whole is they have a lot of the same player, just a lot of the same, like, you know, where it's uh, a sub six foot defenseman who is highly skilled, moves the puck well, incredibly productive. You've got Lane Hudson and Seamus Casey, who were both on the roster last year, though Casey did not actually play in a game last year, but he was with the team the whole time. Lane Hudson, who played in both the World Juniors and the World Championship and was a Hobie top 10 finalist last year. And then Zee Booyam who is a offensive defenseman recently was the college player of the month in the nation uh, as a true freshman defenseman for one of the top programs in Denver. And of course, leading team USA is David Carl, the head coach of Denver. How do you leave that guy home? So, so that's, that's basically, and, and I'd say that though those players play similar to to Bruce I think they're each a little bit quicker. They are a little bit more naturally skilled, um, and, and so you see a defenseman in Brustevich that is pacing ahead of 100 points in, in the, in the uh, OHL this season. And you say, how can that be? And I, I just don't think that people realize how difficult it is to be a point-per-game defenseman at the coll- collegiate level. Seamus Casey is the number one scoring defenseman in the NCAA. Um, you know, Lane Hudson is on pace for more than 20 goals this year. And Zeev Booyam. Uh, just had 14 points in eight games over the month of November. So, I mean, they're, they're pacing very well uh, as well. 
the difference is two of those guys are lefties and Brustevich is a righty, but then you also say, okay, well, we, we need to find balance for our roster. Mm-hmm. Um, and so there's that. But I, I do want to move on to, to Iserman as well because I think everybody's surprised. And, and I think if you're going to be an underage player at the, at the, world, uh, the world Juniors, your role is going to be defined. They don't want to take those players as 13th forwards. They want to say, if you're going to be there, we need you to play in a significant role. Um, that's why James Higgins is getting an invite. That's why I think he'll be on the team because he's probably going to be a top six center for them. Wow. Um, and then, and then you look at, 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 at Cole Iserman and he is a tremendous goal scorer. Does not have a lot of defensive value. Doesn't have a lot of value off the puck. He's not going to play in the top six because you've already got Gabe Perot, who's got a built-in line with Will Smith and Ryan Leonard. And then you've got Cutter Goche who is uh, one of the top goal scorers in college hockey this year. He's bigger, he's faster, he's more experienced. He played in the men's world championship last year. You know, that that's where it gets tougher. And and I think for anybody that's concerned about Cole Eiserman's draft prospects by not being in this tournament, I'm not. Um, I think that, you know, you look back at, at the guy whose records he's chasing, that's Cole Caulfield. He didn't play in the, in the tournament as an underager either. Um, and it was mainly for the same reasons. They thought, well, he's a goal scorer, but he can't be in our top six. So where does he go? Um, and I think that's ultimately why Cole Eisenman is not on the team. Who leads USA in scoring, in your opinion, in a, in a tournament like this? I mean, it's it's really put all the names on a dartboard, spin it, and throw a dart. You got a pretty good chance of hitting the the right guy because there's there's so many options. Yeah, there really is. I mean, I think to me, it's going to end up coming down to either Cutter Goche or uh, Will Smith. And and Will Smith had a record-setting under-18 World Championship last year. He tied Jack Hughes' single tournament record. Um, for points at the under 18 world he's gonna probably be playing with his regular line mates and Gabe Perot and Ryan Leonard those guys have tremendous chemistry so I think Will Smith has a great chance to be the top scorer but I I've been watching Cutter Gauthier's growth over the last two years and just seeing the way he looked this summer the way that he's looked so far this season with Boston College he is a guy that is a a whisker away from the NHL right now he probably could have played and played games for the Flyers this year. I think I, I really respect the decision, and I think it was a mature decision to go back, get a little stronger, become a more dominant player, take all the things that he learned at the World Championship, put him into practice. We're seeing it now. Um, you know, odds are he'll he'll be on the wing as opposed to center for this team. It's not written in stone that that's the case, but I think that frees him up to produce more and to score more. And I'm sure he'll be on USA's top power play unit as well. So. Um, those are the two guys that I've got my eyes on uh, as potential top scorers for this team. I assume Augustine and Fowler are the one and one B uh, goaltenders. Is is it a platoon through the round robin, and then you kind of stick with one guy once you get to the medal round, or do you think there is a number one guy? Yeah, you know, I, it's it's going to be really interesting. We probably won't know until the tournament starts uh, in terms of where they're going because you've got Augustine who has the experience, but then you've got Fowler who's been the better player over the course of the season, and also had one of the greatest USHL playoffs performances ever by a goaltender in the last season. He also won the World Junior A Challenge. Um, you know, And just the way that he's played at, at Boston College this year, you can make a case that he's one of, if not the best goalie in college hockey right now. So, you know, I think that that makes things very interesting and it makes the decision a little more difficult for Team USA. But I think it also gives them that comfort of knowing you've got two guys that you feel can win you games. And I do, I, I expect both of them to see time at the preliminary round I do think it could be similar to the situation we saw where it was uh, uh, Joseph Wall and Tyler Parsons kind of the whole way, and then Tyler Parsons won the starting job, got the biggest games. 
um, and ultimately helped that team win a gold medal with two straight shootout wins, um, including one where he stopped every shooter he saw. So, you know, I, I think that that's going to be uh, a fascinating dynamic for this roster. It's a decision that is critical to their success. Um, and I think that you have to give both of those guys every opportunity to see who's going to take the reins. And like, like I said, we may not know until the medal round exactly who the number one goalie for this team is. Chris Peters from Flow Hockey, my guest, looking at Team USA and now Team Canada as we uh, turn the page and look at the, the, the other North American-based team. And if we say USA is the gold medal favorite, Canada has to be at least a podium uh, potential team. Although I think it's fair to say they're, it's it's not quite as good of a roster as uh, the last couple of years. Would you agree with that? Uh, yes, I would. You know, I think that the last two years we saw teams that we felt pretty confidently were far and away the best teams on paper. Um, and this Canadian team is going to come in and we, and we, it, it happens every year, but it feels particularly onerous this year that they have so many players that are in the NHL right now, Connor Bedard, Matthew Patra, who, who, you know, who knows if he was even in the going to be in the yeah. mix at, the, at this time last year, you know, or at this time uh, over the summer, um, you know, uh, and then you've got Kevin Korchinski with Chicago, you know, so Zach Benson, who we talked about already, and those are players that, you know, obviously are going to be difference makers on your team. You know, I thought it was interesting. You look at this team, they have five players, if you include Macklin Celebrini, that are undrafted. He's the, the only first-year draft eligible among those players. Two undrafted goalies, two undrafted forwards. You know, not a lot of first-round or high first-round draft picks. I think, you know, the highest pick might be Connor Geeky at ninth overall. And so, you know, you've got, which, I mean, nothing to sneeze at, but still, sure. they still have 10 first-round draft picks on the roster. They have players that I think, you know, are expected to be um, contributors. I, I, I do have, you know, moderate concerns about the goaltending, though. You know, you look at Mattis Rousseau, Rousseau, who looks like he's, you know, could potentially be the number one for this team. You know, we, we've seen it before. Nobody knew who Devin Levi was when he he came in and, and backstopped Canada to a gold medal game and then, uh, you know, fell a goal shy of, of the gold medal and, and broke a bunch of records while he was doing it. So, you know, that's a big question mark that, that comes up. Um, and then, you know, just ultimately when this roster is created, I, you know, I, this was a roster where I look at it and I say, there aren't a lot of guys that are glaring omissions from this team. There's not a lot of guys that made me double take about them not being there. Um, and then we're still kind of at this stage where we're like, Ugh, you know, this, this roster doesn't have necessarily the depth of the talent that we're used to seeing from a team Canada. So mm-hmm. um, it is, it is going to be interesting, but you know, I think every single time Canada's in this tournament, there's always the opportunity for some magic. And then you you just kind of throw your hands up and say, I guess it doesn't really matter who's on the team. They just <laughs> find a way. So, um, you know, that's, that, that can happen, but we've also seen it go the other way too, where they, you know, like in Vancouver, when they did miss the podium, you know, this is, uh, this is a year where you look at Sweden, you look at Slovakia, Czechia, you know, those are teams that are threatening yeah. and, and per, so, so it's not a foregone conclusion that Canada ends up on the podium here as it is so many other years. Yeah, I was in Helsinki in 2016 and uh, Canada did, well, they were way off the podium uh, that year. So it's certainly happened uh, for sure. And it's a, it's a global game and a lot of countries have uh, caught up to the U.S. and Canada and Russia. That's kind of a shame that Russia's not involved in this tournament. But uh, we, know, we know the uh, global political reasons 
for that. You mentioned uh, no glaring omissions. I know some people would would look at uh, Pickering on the back end, yeah, not being there. I was more Riley Height up front, leading the Western Hockey League in scoring, but doesn't get an invite to this. And there was part of me that there was a goaltender who plays in Lethbridge, also undrafted, like two of the four that are coming to camp. His name is Harrison Menigan, who didn't get any uh, consideration or, or didn't get an invite. Anyway, I thought he might be able to sneak his way in. He's got really good stats, and I think he's a pretty solid net miner. But uh, none of those, uh, there was no glaring omission for you? You, you weren't a guy who thought uh, Pickering should have been there? Well, I, I certainly thought Pickering would be there. You know, I, I'm not to not to say that it was. You know, I think you can make a case for for the blue line that they have. You know, that the they've got that mix of size. They've got enough guys that you know can kind of move the puck. And you know, I I don't know. Like Owen Pickering has kind of been a hard guy to read over the last couple of years. You know, the way that he's kind of developed and the different things that that we've you know the benchmarks that we've been looking for him to clear and he hasn't necessarily cleared them yet. So yeah. Um. You know, I I I do think that. You know, with the with who they brought, you know, I I like I feel like there is a place for him, but it didn't strike me as you know this is a this is a disastrous decision that's going to have implications that are going to you know sure. force they're going to lose the tournament. You know, I, I just don't think any of the players, even Riley Height, who is having a tremendous season, um, you know, necessarily were that you know that big of a a leap to to leave off. All right. Uh, we talked about who's going to lead the U.S. in scoring. Who do you look to for for Canada to be that guy, or is that kind of the question? Who who is it going to be for Canada? You know, I really feel like I, I I've been thinking about this quite a bit, and I really do feel like there's still a bit of underestimation of Macklin Celebrini out there, even though he's going to be the almost certainly the number one pick. I mean, I have not seen a player better than him in this draft class, um, and I don't feel like it's particularly close. Um, and after watching what he did at the under 18 worlds last year, after watching what he did in the USHL and watching what he's doing at Boston university now, um, you know, there is a real possibility that we're, we're witnessing a player that's, you know, going from excellent prospect into a special one Um, at various points of this season, his production has uh, surpassed that of Adam Fantilli in his Hobie Baker season has surpassed that of Jack Eichel in his Hobie Baker season. Um, and he has been a number one center for one of the best teams in the country and has scored at nearly two points per game. Um, and so I, while he is 17, it would be very difficult. We obviously saw a 17 year old break a record last year for this tournament. Um, I really do think that if Canada gives Macklin Celebrini the opportunity that I think they will have to give him based on the roster that we see, I think he's going to be the offensive focal point for the team, which is asking a lot of a player his age, but I do feel like he has that capability. We talked a lot about the uh, U.S. blue line. Are there one or two guys you expect to be uh, the leaders for Canada? My my eyes immediately go to Denton Matejchuk, but uh, you might see things differently. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think Matejchuk for sure is going to be a, a key a key guy back there. Tristan Luno, with uh, you know having had, having NHL experience, having played right. some pro hockey, you know, I, I do think that that's uh, going to be a key thing. I think it'll be interesting to see if both Maverick Lamoureux and Noah Warren make the blue line. They're not going to be offensive stalwarts, but to have a six foot six and six foot seven defenseman back there. Uh, will at least intimidate some teams, yeah. um, you know, and, and so I think that's good. But I think Matejchuk and Luno for sure are the guys that I look to that, that could make significant impacts. And, you know, Luno being the, the top defenseman from the queue last year and 
um, you know, having this opportunity in front of them and, and being loaned out by the Ducks. I, I just think that there's, there's a lot to like there. Um, it's, you know, I, I think Sweden probably will end up having the best, the best blue line in this tournament, but Canada is probably not far behind them. All right. Well, since we mentioned Sweden, they are hosting the tournament. The host is always expected to be uh, one of the contenders. Could they be a, a team that's playing in that gold medal game? I, I really do think so. I, I think that this team um, has depth. They have balance. Uh, you know, Hugo Havilet is an undrafted goalie, but internationally he has been exceptional um, and, and won a gold medal uh, at the Under-18 Worlds two years ago with one of the greatest individual performances I've seen. Uh, took a, a gold medal right off the neck of the of the U.S. and of this 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 class where this is really their last chance at a, at a gold medal after falling short in multiple tournaments, even including the Youth Olympics a few years you know a few years ago. Um, this is, you know, I think that, that he is a key player for them, but then you really look at their blue line. And I think that's where some of the key factor, you know, one of the keys to their success will be, uh, you know, Matthias Havilid is, who's <laughs> the Hugo's twin brother, <laughs> um, is, is an exceptional puck mover and is, is really good. I mean, I mean he's going to play a significant role. Axel Sandin Pelica played his way into the number one defense spot last year as an underager despite having never played in an under-18 Worlds prior to that. Um, you know, Tom Willander, who's also at Boston University, has yeah. been exceptional this year uh, and, and really could be one of their primary shutdown defensemen. Um, and then they've got, you know, Elias Pettersson. They've got uh, Ant- Anton Johansson. They have um, Elias Salamonson. All of those guys have improved since we last saw them. They've all gotten better, and they looked really good this summer um, in Plymouth when I had a chance to see them up close. So, that's a big key factor. Then you look at the forward group and you're saying, okay, well, we've got, you've got your, your built-in line of Lekaramaki, Oslin, and Ogren, who have played together for many years, dominated that under-18 world championship, were on the team last year. You've got Philip Bistet, who has size and speed and gives you a lot of strength down the middle, and he softens the blow of, of not getting Leo Carlson, uh, which would have taken them not just from being the favorite, but being the clear favorite for me if they had Leo Carlson. Hmm. Um, you know, I, I think that uh, this is a team that that has a lot of different weapons at their disposal. I also like the depth of their lineup because the guys like Felix Unger Sorum, um, uh, um, uh, I'm trying Zeb Forsfjall, like these are guys that that play hard and and have some scoring ability as well down the middle. I mean, uh, Unger Sorum nearly made the Hurricanes out of camp this year, so you know, like there there are a lot of players that might not be as well-known to the North American audience that are going to make this team very formidable. And then you throw in the fact that they have home ice. Now, that brings pressure, but I think it also brings a lot of motivation. Sure. And we've certainly seen teams use that to their advantage in the past. Do you actually have Sweden ahead of the U.S.? No? I, 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 very narrowly. Very narrowly, yeah. I think that it's pretty close. I, I think it's pretty close between the two. The thing, that, the thing that concerns me about the U.S. is I do think the blue line is a bit of an issue because of the lack of balance that, you know, that I think that Sweden does have. Um, but you look at the U.S. forward group, and I would probably take them as the number one forward group coming into the tournament. Uh, when I look at last year, it was sort of a breakout for a guy like Adam Guyen in net for Slovakia, who was, you know, not he wasn't even expected to play in the event when it started, ended up being one of the stars of the tournament. It's, it's tough to predict that going in, who's suddenly going to uh, emerge coming out of it. But you know, maybe it's maybe it is Slovakia. They do they just take another step forward. They were so good as a team last year. 
or I'm hearing kind of buzz about Latvia. Not that they're going to be a medal contender, but that they might have one of their better teams ever at this event. Is there a story like that or an individual player or team that you're kind of curious about at, at least? I'm very curious about Slovakia. I really am. I think that that's another team that is a threat. They're going to have more draft picks than I think they've had in a long time at this tournament. Um, not sure if they're going to get Simone Nemec, though, which which would help a lot. Mm. That blue line starts to look a lot thinner without him. Um, I would expect Maxime Sturback, who's currently at Michigan State, playing a ton of minutes for them. He was excellent at the tournament last year. They've got Guyon back as well, which is huge. He's going to probably be their number one. He's played well with Green Bay this year. His numbers don't look amazing, but I've seen some games where he was absolutely standing on his head, just like he did at the World Junior. So he has that capability. Then you look at you know Dal- Dalibor Dvorsky. Um, you, you look at uh, you, you look at uh, uh, Philip Mayshar and Samuel Hanzek. You know this is a team that has legitimate talent yeah. on the roster and 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 if those guys play up to their ability and, and let's not forget this is a team that you know plays second this is an age group that plays second at the at the holinka gretzky cup yes it, it would help to have your Slavkovsky as well and i and and honestly he, I, you know i there was a time there this season where things really weren't going well in montreal where i was like yeah maybe they should yeah. just let him go you know and and let him play because when is Slavkovsky played his best hockey it's with a slovakia jersey so you know, maybe, maybe that you know that's that's the amazing thing is if they had Slipkowski and Nemec, we're talking about a team that might be no worse than fourth in this group. You know, so that's and they might still not be worse than fourth in this group. I'd probably take them over Finland right now. Wow. So you know that is that is one of the things that that is really fascinating to watch, and and I can't wait to see it because, as you mentioned, you know Russia's out, which takes away and 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 they should be because of the geopolitical reasons laid out, but. But without them, there have been fewer competitive games um, in the go- in the group stage, and with with that, it creates a lot of chaos in the in the tournament. Mm-hmm. Now we did see Slovakia nearly beat Canada in the quarterfinals. They did beat the U.S. in the group stage, and if we have that kind of thing, that's what made last year a lot more fun, a lot more competitive, and a lot tougher to predict because all of a sudden you had these crazy results. So I do think that that's something that we can see. Uh, in this tournament, and I can't wait. I mean, I'm I'm really excited to to see what unfolds in in this in this event because while I think that the U.S. and Sweden are are clear one two and in, in whatever order you want to use, um, I you know I think Canada is going to be a threat. Finland is always a threat, even when they're weaker. Um, Slovakia is a threat. Czech should be good, you know. So I do expect a very competitive tournament here and. Um, I'm, I'm certainly hopeful for that as well. So it should be a lot of fun to watch. Perfect. That is all I can ask you for, Chris. Uh, this has been outstanding. A very short notice for the listeners' benefit. Uh, <laughs> this was very spur of the moment, and I really appreciate you making time once again for the Pipeline Show. This has been awesome. Hey, my pleasure, Guy. Anytime, buddy. Chris Peters from Flow Hockey with his look at the camp rosters for the United States and for Canada. A little bit there on uh, Sweden and uh, Slovakia. Pretty interesting what he had to say about both of those countries. Sweden as his pick right now for the favorite going in. I thought it was the United States, but again, I've I've been playing catch up here. I I agree, though. That Swedish team looks pretty darn good. I think I would still have the United States uh, ahead on for me. Maybe Sweden, too. And then it's kind of open. I, I guess I would lean towards Canada, but Slovakia right there. You can never count the Finns out, as Chris said. And the Czechs, I'm sure, will be have a very competitive team. 
What do you think? Find me on Twitter or X. You can X me or whatever that we say at TPS underscore Gee. You can also find Chris at Chris M. Peters. Check out his stuff at Flow Hockey because it's really, really good. We've got one more segment to go this week, and we're going to turn on the 2024 draft spotlight. Andrew Basha from the Medicine Hat Tigers is in the spotlight. He's having a heck of a season, as are the Tigers themselves. Central Scouting has given him a B rating, which means second, maybe third round pick. So definitely someone we need to know. We'll do that next here on the Pipeline Show, brought to you by Wilhock Beef Jerky. John Redis steals the puck. He's down the right side. Puck's following him around tonight. Ennis is in over the blue line. He gets away from Ace and walks in. John Redis back and shot. And Sabre makes the save. Another shot. He scores! John Redis is fifth goal here tonight. Oh, what a tricky one mile one was. Hi, this is Tyler Ennis of the Medicine Hat Tigers, and you're listening to the Pipeline Show. Well, it's midnight, then rival bound up to the Oil Kings are Edmonton's first choice for family fun. Your Edmonton Oil Kings are back in the thick of it, taking the WHL by storm. And you can be right there cheering them on. Great family entertainment starts at just $20 a seat or never miss a game with season seats as low as $9 per game. Thrilling Western Hockey League action, amazing theme nights, and special price kids food combos at every home game for $10 or less. The entertainment value is king-sized. Secure your seat for the next action-packed, exciting Oil Kings home game today at oilkings.ca. You're listening to the Pipeline Show with Gee Flaming. I can't sugarcoat this. We're at threat level midnight. Final segment to go on this week's episode of the Pipeline Show. It's going to be a 2024 draft spotlight segment as we get to know another player eligible for the upcoming NHL draft. Quick reminder that the program is brought to you by Wilhock Beef Jerky. It's Alberta's best. You can get it throughout Western Canada by going to wilhockbeefjerky.com. Uh, we're going to stick in Alberta, though, and we're heading down to Medicine Hat. The Medicine Hat Tigers playing some terrific hockey uh, this season. Statistically speaking, they're the second-best team in the Eastern Conference. I think if you went by winning percentage, they'd be sitting in fourth right now in the entire league. And uh, one of the reasons why is the play of Andrew Basha. Andrew, welcome to the Pipeline Show. How are you? Good. How are you? I'm doing fantastic, but uh, I'm not playing for one of the top teams in the league, and I'm not draft eligible. So I think your uh, your life is a little bit more exciting than mine right now. <laughs> Tell me about how you're feeling about the start of the year. Yeah, no, it's, uh, it's like you said. I mean, uh, being able to play on uh, on such a great team has been uh, unbelievable this year so far, and um, you know, it's certainly the most fun playing hockey I've had in a while. So um, you know, just super happy to be part of this. Well, coming into this weekend's play, the team has won seven of your last 10 games. Yourself, uh, 13 goals and 35 points in just 27 games. Uh, everything seems to be going right, and this is still a, a fairly young team. What's the secret to the success of the Tigers? Um, I don't know. I, I think uh, I think it starts uh, a couple of years ago. Obviously, we had uh, a pretty tough year, um, you know, and I think that, you know, that just uh, – you know, after that year, it kind of just, you know, we decided we were, you know, we wanted to change. And, um, you know, since then, we've, you know, we've really been building a, a strong um, kind of new culture. Um, so I think that's kind of where it starts. And, and then all the work we put in, uh, obviously, you know, being able to, you know, slip into the uh, in the playoffs there last year and, um, you know, get to play a really good team in Winnipeg and, and you know, learn a lot from, from that group. And, 
you know, and then bringing into this year, um, you know, guys, uh, you know, have taken, uh, you know, very big steps in, in their, uh, in their hockey, you know, on and off the ice. So, um, you know, it's really been, uh, you know, just kind of the culture and, and the work ethic, you know, within our locker rooms. So, um, you know, it's been so much fun. You mentioned a couple of years ago it was a tough season. You finished dead last in the league. And, uh, you know, that was a re- with a return of, uh, Willie Desjardins behind the bench. Uh, he's not used to uh, the Tigers not making the playoffs. I think it had been forever uh, since his Medicine Hat Tigers didn't make the postseason. I'm I'm not sure if you expected to be a playoff team last year, but you mentioned you got in as the number eight seed. That does not happen very often, where you you're dead last one year and into the playoffs the season after, and you you haven't stopped. I mean, you've obviously built on uh, on last year uh, to where you are in the standings right now. How do you feel on a personal uh, level? Last year you had 56 points. Uh, 20 of those were goals. Uh, looks like you're going to blow way past those numbers this year. How do you feel different from uh, from last season, or even over the last you know season and a half, say? Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, it's been it's been great. Um, you know, I think uh, just you know, I, I think I put in you know a ton of work, and um, you know, I've been uh, making strides, you know, in my in my game for a few years now. So. Um, you know, I, I don't know, um, you know, what, you know, it specifically is, but, you know, maybe just, uh, you know, a lot more confidence, uh, you know, being, you know, this being kind of my third year, um, you know, I, I think I'm just, uh, more comfortable kind of in the room and, and in uh, certain situations. Um, so I think that's a, you know, a big part of, uh, of, you know, my, uh, my good play so far, but, um, you know, I think just, you know, I've worked very hard and, um, you know, obviously I've, I've kind of always known that this year was going to be my draft year. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, I, I think, uh, you know, I just always dream of that and wanted to be as ready as possible for, for this year. So, uh, it's been good. Yeah. For fans, uh, who might not realize you're late Oh five. So you, you're, uh, just missed last year's draft by about a month and a half. Uh, so you're one of the older players eligible in the class of, uh, of 2024, do you think that gives you a bit of, of an advantage right now, having two seasons under your belt uh, coming into your draft season? Yeah, I mean, I think, uh, like I said, just with the comfort, um, you know, I think, you know, you could look at it as, a, um, as an advantage. But, um, you know, I, I think it certainly uh, certainly helps to, you know, have, you know, had last year to, you know, really grow as a player and a person. And, um, you know, last year kind of, in that transition year, I was, uh, I was, you know, able to kind of get top minutes on, you know, in a different situation, maybe I wouldn't have so, so early in my uh, junior career. So, um, you know, I'm very fortunate to, you know, have, you know, or be a late birthday, but, um, but yeah, I mean, I don't know if I look at it like that, but yeah, that's fine. Uh, about a month ago, I believe I had uh, Caden Lidstrom on the show, uh, and I think, if I remember correctly, he told me that you and he play together along with Tyler McKenzie uh, as a line. I- is that the case? Is it still the case? Yeah, yeah, I still play with uh, with Caden there. Um, we don't play with uh, McKenzie anymore. We're playing with St. Martin at the moment. What is that? Well, I guess the chemistry between you and Caden, obviously, is uh, continued on here. What's it like playing with him? Yeah, I mean it's awesome. Um, you know, last year uh, we didn't play together at all, actually. So, wow. um, you know, it's kind of kind of new. Um, but you know, um, he's such a, a great player. Obviously, I mean, um, he's he's such a beast, and 
you know, such a threat at all times out there. So, um, you know, with him being kind of that big power forward and, uh, you know, I play uh, kind of more of a, a passer kind of speed role. Uh, we really complement each other uh, so well. And, um, you know, I, I love playing with him and, you know, we get along great off the ice and, um, you know, we're just building. I mean, it's still early December, obviously. So, um, you know, I think we, we have, you know, a lot more to show. So. Andrew Basha of the Medicine Hat Tigers, my guest here on the Pipeline Show in the draft spotlight. Uh, Andrew, uh, this is a, the Pipeline Show is a junior and college hockey show. So my regular audience will follow you already, follow the Tigers, follow the WHL. Uh, but there'll be a lot of casual NHL fans who generally don't care about junior hockey at all. But because you're a draft-eligible guy, they'll want as much info about you specifically as they can get. So for the benefit of those people listening right now who don't know you at all, let's get some background. Uh, start with, uh, where are you from? Where did you grow up? Uh, born and raised in, uh, in Calgary, Alberta. Okay. Do you remember how early, uh, like how old you were when you first started playing and, and who got you on skates in the first place? Yeah, I mean... Um... My kind of earliest memories are, um, you know, around like two years old. I remember, uh, you know, faintly and, and just with pictures and stuff is, um, you know, having a pair of skates on my feet kind of at all time. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, uh, you know, I think, uh, when I was, you know, six or, or whatever it was, I, you know, did the, the learn to skate and, you know, kind of, um, from, you know, as my memory, you know, recollects, I mean, I just kind of fell in love with, you know, the feeling of, of stepping on the ice and, um, you know, that's just kind of what my all, you know, thanks to my parents. Um, you know, I think they kind of tried me in every single sport and, you know, let, let me uh, be the one to decide and hockey was just the one that I fell in love with. So you're a forward now. Have you always been a forward? Um, yeah, mostly. I mean, uh, I remember, uh, in, in Adam and novice, I remember uh, I was a defenseman sometimes, but I was a little bit too offensive, so um, that was kind of the last of that. Uh, a lot of guys tell me that maybe at that young age, seven, eight years old, maybe the team doesn't have a full-time goaltender, so everybody has to take their turn in net. Did you have a, a night like that? Yeah, yeah, I had a couple, but you know, the last, I think I let in like 12 goals, and it was just... It was terrible. I, I've never even thought about it since. So. That's funny. So uh, clearly not the position for you. Well, it's working out pretty well uh, as a forward. Um, tell me, take me back to the the Bantam draft and what that experience was like for you. I know some guys are at school trying to follow along on their phone or something. Other guys get to get to stay home from school. Now in 2020, your draft year, uh, I, I'm trying to remember what the situation was with, with COVID and all that. Uh, what was draft day like for you? Yeah, it was, it was COVID. Um, you know, we had been right in the middle of uh, the lockdown and, uh, and so we were just, uh, tuning in, uh, me and my family just, uh, from the living room on the computer. Um, and I mean, it was, it was cool for sure. I mean, um, obviously with COVID, it was, it was pretty weird kind of, uh, that whole, that two month kind of bubble around the draft was, was just, kind of weird for for everyone obviously so yeah. um you know it's it was interesting uh doing the draft like that um but uh you know when i saw my name uh kind of connected with medicine hat it was uh 
it was such a special feeling and um you know certainly uh, an unbelievable memory well there's like 10 11 rounds in a whl draft you didn't have to wait that long but it was a fifth round pick uh for yourself 104 players taken before you uh were you getting a little nervous kind of when am i going to get taken who's going to take me yeah, I mean, I, uh, you know, and I had a good year that my Bantam second year. So, uh, I honestly was expected, expecting, sorry, to, to go maybe a bit higher. Um, so kind of when, when that kind of range that I was, you know, thinking, uh, was, was passing, I was getting a little bit, uh, anxious for sure. Um, but I mean, like you said, like you said, there, you know, um, you know, at the end of the day, I was still uh, able to be selected by, a, you know, a great organization. So, um, you know, it, it didn't really matter to me. So. Well, there's 22 teams in the league. Uh, chances are pretty good you're you're not going to get drafted by your hometown team. That would have been the Hitmen. Uh, but you don't have to travel all that far. A medicine hat, not that uh, far from Calgary. So I imagine your family and friends are, are able to see you lots. And, of course, it's a, a division rival. So I imagine when you, you play at the Saddle Dome, uh, you got a, a a large contingency of of fans cheering you on. Uh, what was your initial reaction though when it was Medicine Hat that selected you? I mean, yeah, I didn't know too much about Medicine Hat. Um, you know, I growing up, I was always uh, you know a big Hitman fan, and we had season tickets for that. So hmm. um, you know, I faintly remember kind of watching uh, the Tigers a couple times, but um, you know, I was just. Uh, you know, I immediately did just kind of did the whole deep dive in the medicine hat and the whole Tigers uh, kind of organization and um, just loved what I saw. And um, kind of once I started kind of, you know, reading up a, about Willie and all that, um, you know, I, you know, I was kind of when I made my decision. I mean, um, you know, I was just, you know, looking forward to, you know, hopefully getting the opportunity to, you know, be able to play under, um, you know, such a, an unbelievable coach and, and mentor in Willie. So um, it was unbelievable. Yeah, he's got quite the track record in the Western Hockey League and has uh, helped a lot of players your age go on to have professional success. Because of his resume, maybe it can be an intimidating situation. What was it like uh, when you first got to uh, practice with him or first met him? Were you intimidated at all? Um, yeah, I mean, uh, you know, certainly uh, before I had met him, I was uh, – you know, obviously, you know, nervous to, to meet him and all that. But, um, you know, as soon as, you know, I talked to him for the first time, um, I mean, you know, he, he's had such a great career and all that. And, you know, he's stuck around so many places for a reason. And just because he's such a, an unbelievable person. I mean, you know, I was, it definitely wasn't, uh, wasn't hard to have a conversation with him. Um, and I remember, uh, you know, a couple months after the draft, actually, um, you know, I was a fifth round pick, so, you know, usually, um, you know, I wouldn't say they're, they're not as as important as, you know, your first, second round picks, but, uh, I don't think they get as much attention. And I remember, uh, my grandpa's birthday, um, you know, it was a couple months after the draft and, and Willie, uh, you know, actually called him, um, and just kind of had a conversation with him and, um, you know, that, that meant the world to, you know, me and, and my family and obviously my grandpa, you know, loved that. So, um, you know, that, that was kind of when I knew that, you know, I was playing the medicine hat and, um, you know, just such a good person and, and, and everyone involved in medicine hat is, is unbelievable. So, 
Andrew, I got to ask you about the draft. Uh, obviously, you mentioned earlier you, it's, you've known it's your NHL draft year for a long time. It's probably been circled sort of on your calendar uh, to get to this point. Do you spend much time thinking about the draft now? I mean, it's uh, you know about uh, seven months away at this point. Uh, or do you try not to think about it? Some guys tell me they don't want to think about it. They don't want to get distracted by it. There are other guys who tell me they want to know who's got them ranked where, You know, whether it's Sportsnet or TSN or Central Scouting. Uh, and they use that as motivation. Uh, what about you? Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, I, obviously it's it's kind of hard not to think about. I mean, you know, dreaming of it um, as a kid, it's uh, it's it's every kid's dream. And, um, you know, I think, you know, for me, the best way that I've kind of attacked this year is, is not thinking about it um, and trying not to, you know, have it always be on your mind. And, um, you know, I think for me it's just – you know, taking it day by day and, and just having fun playing hockey. I mean, um, you know, at the end of the day, uh, the draft is a draft and it's there, you know, and it's there for a reason, obviously. So, um, you know, you just got to play your game and, and that's kind of how I've been looking at it. But, you know, obviously, uh, you know, I'm thinking about it every day. I mean, um, you know, it's it's unbelievable to, you know, even be in this, in this situation and, um, you know, if, if – you know, if I'm to be drafted, that would certainly be, uh, you know, unbelievable for, for my family. So. Oh, I like the honesty there. Um, I've seen you listed at 5'11 and a quarter. That's from Central Scouting. I've seen you listed at six foot, usually about 183, 185 pounds, something like that. Uh, what are you actually at right now? I'm probably, f- I'm 5'11 and a half, um, about 183 pounds right now. Do you think you've uh, topped out height wise or is there still some growth coming? Uh, I don't. I mean, I'm not really sure. Uh, I wish I could answer that, but yeah. um, I'd, I'd like to think I'm still growing. Um, you know, I I really, you know, I'm I'm fine with where I'm at right now. I mean, um, you know, I I obviously I would be happy to get as much height as I can, but uh, you know, if I'm not to, then you know, I don't think it's a factor. So. Well, I've seen you play lots uh, against the Edmonton Oil Kings, and uh, you always seem to get up for those games, that's for sure. Uh, for those casual NHL fans we were talking about earlier, uh, can you give us a, a self-scouting report? What should they expect from you on a nightly basis? What sort of player do you think you are? Uh, yeah, I think, uh, you know, when I'm on and, and going, I think, uh, you know, I'm a player that can, you know, put uh, put a fan in their seats for, you know, just my playmaking and speed. Um I think uh, those are my two biggest attributes, and um, you know, just uh, skating is, is something that uh, I think is so important now. And um, you know, I'm very uh, thankful to you know have, you know have that ability uh, with me right now. Um, and then yeah, just the playmaking, and uh, you know, I think I have a very well-rounded game in, in my defensive game as well. So uh, just a, a fast playmaker that can play on both ends of the ice and, and still has the ability to kind of put the puck in the net. What do you like to do away from the game, Andrew? Maybe it's the off season or just a weekend. You know, have some time off or uh, want to unwind a little bit. What What do you like to do? Uh, I just uh, I love spending time around kind of the people that uh, I'm close with. You know, friends, family, stuff like that. Um, you know, I love uh, love going out. You know, for lunch, dinners with uh, with my friends. Um, you know, I, I think kind of every hockey player say, but you know, golf is uh, has kind of been something that. Uh, you know, I just creeped up kind of um, as I've uh, kind of gotten a bit older here. It's, it's you know, I love to golf, um, you know, kind of all sports, whether it's tennis, um, stuff like that. Just, you know, especially in the off season, I try to kind of just get outdoors and, 
and, and have fun with, with, you know, other people. So that's kind of me. Well, whenever I get the, a player tell me they're a golfer, uh, I ask them what the, their favorite golf course is to play. Uh, and lots of nice golf courses in, in the Calgary area or Southern Alberta in general. Is there one that stands out uh, for you that, uh, that you'd love to get out to? Yeah, I mean, um, you know, obviously uh, being in Calgary, it's, it's nice to be close to the mountains. So um, I love playing uh, Ken Mascus. Um, yeah. So, yeah, kind of, you know, the course out in Canmore, uh, you know, Banff, obviously, is unbelievable. So, um, you know, in Calgary, I golf at uh, at Inglewood quite a bit. Um, quick show out there. Are there 27 holes at Kananaskis now, or is it still Kid and uh, Lorette? Um, I um, I think it's still Kid and Lorette. I don't know. Um, but, yeah, I played Kid, you know, right before I came here. So. Holy, perfect tie-in. All right. Well, uh, Andrew, this has been terrific. I really appreciate it. I enjoyed the conversation a lot. Uh, best of luck uh, the, the rest of the season, except for this weekend. You're playing the Oil Kings, and, you know, I, I'm doing color. So, you know, you, I hope you have a, <laughs> yeah. a, an impressive weekend, but I'm not cheering for you to get wins, uh, put it that way. Uh, but whatever happens along the way the rest of the season and at the draft, uh, best of luck, man. Yeah, thank you so much. I appreciate it. There we go. That's Andrew Basha from the Medicine Hat Tigers. Big shout out and a thank you to uh, Gino DePaoli, the uh, voice of the uh, Medicine Hat Tigers, who set that interview up. It was extremely short notice. And not only did he get it done, but he got it done in record time. I think I texted him at about four o'clock on uh, Thursday evening and said, hey, is there any chance you can get me Andrew Basha? And he replied in like four minutes or something like that and had it set up in less than 10. It was fantastic. It usually does not happen that quickly, let me tell you. So uh, Gino really coming through for me. I greatly appreciate it. The Tigers hosting the Edmonton Oil Kings Friday night. The Oil Kings hosting the Tigers on Saturday night. If you haven't got your tickets to go watch that in downtown Edmonton, why don't you? Get out and support junior and college hockey. I say that all the time on Twitter. I saw... Somebody was selling tickets for, I think the oil, the Edmonton Oilers are playing Chicago at some point this weekend, and they're selling two tickets to that game to see Connor Bedard against Connor McDavid. $500 for a pair. You could have seen Connor Bedard last year in Edmonton, two tickets for 40 bucks plus tax. Now you're paying 500 bucks. Absolutely crazy. Get out and watch junior and college hockey because you are seeing these players right now at extremely affordable prices, or you could take out a second mortgage to go watch them in the NHL. And with that, that is going to wrap up this week's episode. Next week, I hope we're back to normal. Three, four guests probably, or hopefully. A quick reminder, if you are not a patron, please consider it. Go to patreon.com slash show. If you just want to dip your toe in the water, no cost, no risk, seven-day free trial. Just check it out. There's over 800 archived interviews that you can just access immediately. And every interview that you hear on a full episode of The Pipeline Show, whether you're downloading it from Spotify or iTunes or wherever you're getting your podcast from, maybe it's iHeartRadio. Maybe you're getting it straight from SoundCloud. Maybe you're listening on EdmontonSportsTalk.com. Saturdays and Mondays. Usually it's Saturdays at noon and Mondays at 8, but sometimes the schedule gets wonky because of uh, other commitments that the station has, and uh, that, of course, is completely understandable. It's just great to be associated with uh, Edmonton Sports Talk. But whatever the case, any interviews that you hear on the program, patrons get access to them way quicker. 
That's why I call it early access. Maybe you got somebody in your family that needs a uh, stocking stuffer. You can get an annual subscription for 20 bucks, a little bit more. I think it's 21.50 or something like that, American. And then they would have early access to everything that they hear on the Pipeline Show way before the general public. Consider it. Why don't you check it out at patreon.com slash the Pipeline Show. All right, before next week, I hope you get out and you can watch some junior college hockey so that we can talk about it right here on the Pipeline Show. It's brought to you by Wilhock Beef Jerky. My name is Guy Flaming. See ya!